Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Must See Matches, the essentials of pro wrestling as nominated by you. I am Kieran Lefort and joining me as always, the man behind Must See Matches, Mark Buckley. Mark, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm good. Can't complain. Although I learned recently that the uh, boot or trunk of a car can get mouldy. Yes, it can, as can the rest of a car. <laughs> I'm not going to ask what you've been doing with your car to let it get mouldy. Let's move on swiftly. Uh, we are continuing a must-see matches tradition by tackling uh, a series of matches, a feud, if you like, in the wrong order, with the first Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada match from Wrestle Kingdom 10 on January the, January the... I've put January the 11th. That's definitely not right. I don't think it's Wrestle Kingdom 10 either, is it? It's Wrestle Kingdom 11. It's Wrestle Kingdom 11 on January yep. 4th. Yep, and it's January the 4th. I'll get it right <laughs> eventually. Uh, in the Tokyo Dome, obviously, in front of 26,192 people, not the 40,000 plus they claim on commentary. Uh, and joining us, it's the long overdue and very welcome return of Rich Fan of the Pro Wrestling Torch. Rich, how you doing? Pretty good. I apologize in advance to you and your listeners. I am a little nasally because I work in schools during the day and a couple of students decided to just, you know, hack and off mm. their way to a class and i'm starting to get nasally so it's like oh, no. uh, patient zero i hardly knew you <laughs> they're just little germ farms aren't they just go in a little sealed tube and just stay there for a couple of days like can you do that yeah, please <laughs> all right well hopefully you make it through to the end of this um I am going to take a wild stab in the dark and guess that as this was during new japan's appointment viewing period we all watched this on the day or the day after at the very least i found my tweets from the day so this would have aired at god knows when in the morning on um uh, uk time and i probably would have been out of work and then watched it when i got home but uh rich were you covering this live at all or anything like that i gotta say this is the first it's it's interesting working backwards how we have mm. with this one i believe i watched it live and uh, you know as per my tradition with wrestle kingdom I, I watched it on the treadmill. I usually would watch the final mm. three matches. It's usually about 70, 80 minutes on the treadmill, and mm. then I'd want to die. And I think this was one of those times where Wade <laughs> sent me a text of, by the way, could you also do a match right up for this show? And so I had to kind of like drag myself over to the computer and write <laughs> up with shaking fingers, like everything that I just forgot. Thankfully, <laughs> the power of New Japan World and that time shift as long yes. as you can play with the with the little mm. slider, you yeah. can still watch, even though they're in that time shift. So yeah, I did watch it live and then have to write it up uh, kind of like in a haze. Yes. You must have got your workout in if you watch the last three matches, considering the length for this one. Yeah, it was, I, I think if, if if I look, I didn't get a chance to, I should have followed Kieran's idea. If, if I would have found my tweet, it was a picture of like, it was like a hundred and something minutes of me on the treadmill, I was like, I want to die. Like, I, I did that <laughs> for this. Why? And Mark, uh, were you fully entrenched in New Japan at this point as well? Yeah, very much. I don't know if this was the Mark will take the 4th of January off work yeah. to watch a uh, Wrestle Kingdom live, or if that was uh, stopped a year or two before. But mm. yeah, I... I'm not kidding. I would literally take days off work sometimes if oh, it yeah. worked out. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so we are we have covered now, including this one, three of the four Omega versus Okada matches. Um, I was going to ask you, Mark, how close did the fourth one come to also making the podcast? Because that is the G1 match from August of 2017, isn't it? 
Yeah, by coincidence, I'm just about there, and it was a ways off. Actually, it was one point one point eight percent, and our cutoff was what four point five four point five percent. Okay, ah, so not as much as I thought. That's interesting, given like how fervently people voted for the others. Uh, speaking of that, actually, I did a little mm. digging into like the breakdown on percentages of the Akada Omega trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you combine people that voted for one of the three, over twenty-eight percent of our uh, voters nominated an Akada versus Omega match. Interesting, because uh, this one got seventeen point nine percent. Eight percent voted for the 2018 Dominion match and did not nominate this match, and over half of the people that voted for this match didn't nominate any of the other Akada Omega matches. So it's interesting to see that there was this sense of I will nominate one, but there was a different sense of which was people's favourites. Interesting, interesting. Um, is there anything else we need to get into in the stats, or anything else before we start? Talking about the match itself? Um, well, it's the last time we're talking Kenny Omega, of course. It's his yeah. sixth appearance of uh, six on the podcast and 25 nominated matches. And we have one more Okada match to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his fifth of six on the podcast, and he had only 18 matches nominated. Hmm. Some good hit rate, though. Mm. Like having a third of your, your matches, your nominations, make, make the... Uh, the talked about section it's pretty good going i think oh yeah uh i mean when you consider he was against your kenny omegas your tetsuya naitos your tanahashis and your katsuyuri <laughs> shibatas it's not like he's in there with some schlubs no that's true that's true mark was there a person that uh stood out other than omega as like the most popular opponent uh as in the most nominations mm-hmm mm. Kabashi uh, had like 29, I think. Okay. Uh, I probably have this somewhere. Uh, Shawn Michaels, I think, was in those high 20s. Masawa was in the 20s. Mm. Um, this is all just off the top of my head. Um, I know that Undertaker had 18, and that's because I really hate that stat. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is not the platform for you to start hating on Mark Calloway again. Yeah, I... I I will put that to a side for the rest of the podcast series yeah. until yeah. we have Maybe Matty on again. Maybe I'll give you five again. minutes on the final show for you to unleash the full fury. Yeah, no, so uh, Omega is probably top five most nominated, to be mm. fair. So we begin with a uh, video package, a battle for the future, it says in big letters. Uh, and the basic gist is um, New Japan are eyeing global expansion and Kenny thinks the company will be better off if that expansion begins with him as the champion rather than the incumbent Okada. Um, This video, subtitled in both English and Japanese, uh, which was quite a nice touch. Mm. I did notice that Kenny's dialogue was terrible and delivered like a poorly translated anime dub. Uh, And it ends with the fabulous, uh, not quite English sentence, New Japan in the world! What I like with this is... How badly this and the other promos from out this run, how badly they age, considering like what was to come for Kenny with AEW. Mm. Yeah, he's definitely got better on the mic, but it's also like 
to do with the audience as well. Mm. So he's there were flashes of it when he was AEW World Champion, but when he's a heel in New Japan, he's very much anime villain, which is very yeah. relatable for the audience. It's interesting. He's like a video game. He's always been a video game character yeah. that also happens to wrestle, but whether it's this video or even his entrance, it's all very like it's at the torch. We talk about the idea of Cody when he came back to WWE, he has an editor. It was very clear at this point in new Japan. Kenny did not have an editor. Yeah. He's like, I want to go is this character and like run with it. My golden child, just do what you want. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people didn't like his undertale entrance when he did that towards the end of his new Japan run. I thought that was great. Yeah. With like the little the little video that looked like a sixteen bit yeah. RPG of of pro wrestling, yeah, I thought that was very cool. Sometimes sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. I guess. Yeah, there. I mean, there's that little kind of yes, I get this is your interest, but if it's relevant for an intro or a big entrance, fine. But sometimes it just doesn't click. It's like the uh, Will Ospreay, yes, Assassin Creed, Assassin's Creed have agreed to sponsor me kind of thing. Yeah, but it makes you look a bit like a Burke. It, uh, I was uh, in the building for that entrance. I thought it was great. <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about the Tokyo Dome one that he did first. Oh, oh I, sorry. I, I thought you meant the one from the Rev Pro show uh, recently. I like that with the robes at the Rev Pro show, but mm. the Wrestle Kingdom one where essentially he does this Assassin's Creed intro, comes out, then goes to the back and then does the Rey Mysterio pop up as a second entrance. It's like, oh. why are you entering <laughs> twice? Hat on a hat. Yeah. Is it yeah, yeah. Is it is it up there or down there with um Agent 47 Loki? I where mean, he was specifically was, told not was, to do it and then did it anyway. That was my guilty pressure because of the fact that he didn't listen. Yes. I love the fact that he's like, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. So I'm gonna do it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Brandon doesn't listen to a lot of people. He's burnt so many bridges, you think yeah. his shoes are made of fire. <laughs> So, uh, this entrance video, uh, Kenny is depicted as the Terminator, complete with him losing his clothes via time travel as his cannon. Uh, he nakedly approaches three men in an alleyway who mock him. As far as I could find out, uh, two of them are members of staff from the Horipro uh, talent agency. The only wrestler I can find they represent is Kairi Sane slash Hojo. Uh, yeah. The agents, they've, so the agency represents a lot of idol singers and such like, but mm. they're probably doing fine off the back of just one person. They are the agents for Shohei Otani, one of the biggest and best baseball players in the world. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Kenny demands the guy in the middle um, give him his clothes. Uh, the guy in the middle is a horror pro talent. He's a comedian called Kick. Um, Kenny demands these clothes in English, and then when his scans show that the man is speaking back to him in Japanese, recalibrates to Japanese to request again. I like that. I thought that was I very funny. I appreciate that too. Yes. Uh, Kick responds by blowing smoke in Terminator Omega's face, who crushes his throat, and we cut to black. And then we fade back up, and Kenny walks away from three battered men while wearing Kick's clothes. Uh, the jacket, by the way, uh, is an Avirex jacket. Uh, we get the logo on the screen as well uh, when Kenny is scanning the men. So I guess they pay for some sponsorship. Mm. Um, he comes out in the jacket, a Terminator robot face half mask and a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, that was a little wild. When he's, when I saw him do the arm out and the full shot, it's like, buddy, yeah. please. I, and, you know, in the, with the benefit of hindsight here in the States, we have this show uh, where uh, Alec Baldwin is currently on trial because... 
uh, Rust uh, had a uh, oh yes a firearms expert yes, where yes. they didn't check the gun correctly and someone was unfortunately mm. shot. And I could only think of that when he had that. I was like, buddy, mm. I really hope this is just a toy because the- <laughs> this is not the time to come out here with a shotgun. Like, it, my looked God. The right, it looked the right size, but it did at least look quite plasticky, which was uh, yeah. uh, appreciated. I mean, I mean, they should have gone the whole hustle hog, which is with the time that uh, Takada basically finger gunned someone who basically did a flip dive off the Titan Tron. Oh, yes. That's when he had Undertaker powers, didn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, the theme, the theme for Okada's entrance is a bit more, slightly more understated and also over the top at the same time. The theme appears to be the Tokyo Dome is the center of the universe. Um, Okada, of course, has Ghetto with him, uh, and Omega is accompanied by the Young Bucks. And although he's not actually carrying the briefcase, he is the G1 2016 winner. Uh, Kenny is the heel uh, and is the first to play rough uh, in the opening wrestling exchanges and refuses to let go of a headlock even when back suplexed. They trade the first near falls with Okada reversing a twisting sunset flip and Omega snagging a backslide and then Okada whips him around with a couple of arm drags, a brief arm bar and when they end up in the ropes at the five minute call, that patronising pat on the chest he likes mm. to do. Yeah, he's just a good old fashioned, like I, 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 one of the things I enjoy about Okada in this match is the disrespect and the respect in the same method in, in mm. terms of what he shows towards Omega and then in terms of the overall match construction, the respect he shows towards him and kind of feeding some of his darker impulses later mm. in the we, match. When we covered the 69-minute uh, the match, um, we, we spoke about how a lot of people don't think about the Rainmaker character has a big ego. Mm-hmm. And it this is sort of like... The man underneath the character respects his opponent, but the character needs to show that he doesn't. And mm-hmm. you get all of that in, in one motion, essentially. Yeah. And if you want, um, I would say for folks that love this, take this match and then immediately watch what he did a few years ago with a certain young man who decided to slap him in the middle of a wrestling match. Like, that's when you don't respect the guy and you don't respect the guy. Yes. <laughs> um, the action speeds up with a whole load of rope running, dodges, counters, and reversals, and they both tease their finishers, and Kenny spits in Okada's face after foiling the Rainmaker. He rolls outside and he takes his sweet time teasing getting back in. Um, eventually, Okada takes the bait and goes after him, but Kenny slides back in, and whatever game he was trying to play fails mm. as he runs straight into a boot into the face and then gets drop kicked back out to the floor. Omega gets whipped into the railings, but blocks the running kick designed to send him over and threatens to suplex Okada onto the rail and the English commentary team, which would have been just a Cactus Jack bump. Um, uh, the English commentary streamer Kevin Kelly and uh, Steve Carino this time around, neither of whom appear to know the name of any moves I discovered over the preceding 45 minutes, apart from Rainmaker. And yet, I prefer Carino to Don Callis immensely. I, do you know what? I don't mind Steve Carino as colour guy at all, to be you honest. You just need a better play-by-play. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like Kelly hasn't hit his stride in New Japan here, I don't think. Well, he's not got someone feeding him stats for... Uh... Also that. Thankfully, what would have been sheer murder gets reversed, uh, and Kenny takes the draping DDT on the floor. Uh, Okada then goes and pulls a table from under the ring, and Kenny reminds us, and we were shown in the opening video package actually, that Omega put Okada through a table with the one-winged angel off the apron. Just, I think it's like two weeks before this, seventeenth December, I think. Is yeah, the so pretty day. much two to three weeks. Yeah. 
Kenny prevents a table assault and gets thrown over the inner railing and hit with that running crossbody. Just Okada flies so far. He takes off well before he needs to, I'm sure, just to show how far he can go. It's a really good catch by Omega, Mm. to be fair. Yes, yes. And it's the athletic arrogance of Okada. You mentioned Mm. earlier, Kieran, about the idea of him and his character having an ego. But you Mm. even see in the moves between the moves how much he takes pride in his own athleticism. Yes. And how people underestimate it. Mm. Uh, it's something again something we covered during the two out of three falls match is that um he knows he is the best and knows how to perform to stay the best and what really irks the character is someone else has come along that other people are calling the best and he's not having any of this and uh, some of that is even borne out in this first match between them i think and think about his history uh, i think when when we look at okada this first match is the first reminder that he started as a high flyer before yes. he added that base. And I think to your point, Omega having the bells and whistles kind of pushed him in a way where he's like, I can do this stuff too. I just choose yes. not to because I'm great at literally everything. Except Lucha submissions. Except for submissions. But yeah, Red Ink. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss Red Ink, even if the commentators don't. Uh, back inside, uh, Okada is very much in control with a sense on Atomico, a chin lock, a neck breaker. Uh, Omega breaks out with forearms, ducks a clothesline with this. It's just a beautiful sweeping drop step that he uses to slide mm. around Okada on his knees uh, and then gets the Kotaro Crusher, some stomps, and the old Winnipeg shovel hands come back out for one of those big, loud chops. What I like on this comeback is that Okada's kind of been dominating with a lot of the basics, like mm. the the headlocks, the arm drags, the the simple shoulder tackle. Okada's using a lot of the basic tropes, mm. and Omega gets back into it by doing the unorthodox. Mm. But also, what I appreciate is that constantly throughout the the whole first half of this match, and he relies on it later on. He's using these rough tactics. He's using mm. these heelish tactics with like the the face wash and raking the face with his boo and mm. going for the eyes it's it's fascinating having not seen this era a card uh, omega for a while mm. forgetting that he could do the rough stuff and it actually really worked for the match for me mm. i immediately felt very stupid for not realizing why he works the whole body For the one-winged angel, he needs them to bend over. And Mm. if they don't have any core strength, it's easier to bend an opponent over and drive it home. Like, they can't sit up as a counter. Um, Carino does a a good-ish explanation (laughs) of that. It's just the problem is that his mic is a bit too low, so you kind of really have Mm -hmm. to concentrate to hear him at times. Yeah. So... Kenny is working on on the the trunk of Okada. Um, He misses a flashing elbow. Okada, though, misses a senton in response, and Kenny is straight back on offense. Um, He snuffs out uh, any of Okada's hope spots with a Frankensteiner that sends him out to the floor. Um, The Jacksons start the Terminator clap, and Omega duly connects with the flip dive. The Jacksons don't. That's what actually really got me. No, uh, the crowd actually started, but the crowd, because it's the Dome... That it's kind of there's about it's got further to travel. There's I guess. about three. There's about three and one. It's like it's less concentrated. Right, yeah. It's a bit oh, more spread out. So the crowd are doing it, but it takes the bucks to identify this is the beat. So it kind right, of right. I see. It's like where the wavelengths are a bit wavy, and then it just focuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting. Um, much with the last time we covered this, 
excellent low angle shot. Mm. Uh, and if I may, boat race, as that is in big letters across the side of the ring. I presume there's some kind of sponsor. Yeah, it's like fun with uh, English. Anytime yes. we see any of those advertisements on the side, I always just chuckle because I'm like, I don't know what this is. I, I Google a whole load of them. It's really fun. <laughs> I forgot to Google boat race, though, because I figured that might be a bit too generic. I've eaten at one of the New Japan sponsors because it was the only place I could find that was open to eat on uh, oh, the uh, Shinkiba uh, first Is it the room. noodle place with the Tenzan logo? No, it's the Yoshinoya. Oh, right. <laughs> which, oh, yeah, which, they've been a which, big sponsor Which for also was uh, a meal and a drink for 199 yen. Good Lord, that's cheap. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not quality, but yeah. No, but at the moment with the exchange rate, that is not much over a pound. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. Omega then just uh, body slams Okada on the corner of the apron and almost takes his head off with a brain scrambling top rope drop kick to the back of the head. Oh, that is it's sickening. It's yeah. like, yeah, like at least aim for his shoulders, but no, he hits him right in the head. Uh, Kenny makes two covers off this, and the first one, Okada grabs the ropes, and the second, he has he has enough energy to actively kick out. Okada also has to get the ropes to escape a camel clutch, and then quickly finds himself having to fight off a power bomb. What I really liked about this section was how aggressive Kenny was. He was yeah. like, "I've got this guy reeling. I've hit him with something really hard, uh, and he's like, he's slamming knees into Okada's gut after this, after not being able to get this power bomb." Um, Okada, though, catches hold of one, hoists him up, and the heavy rain he hits him with is practically vertical. Like, it might as well just be a brain buster. The Okada comeback continues with running and flying elbows and forearms, the awkward DDT that I always love, uh, and a flying European uppercut to the seated Omega. And although Omega gets a couple of blows in, Okada quite quickly traps him in red ink. Oh, boy. Carino blanks on the name for red ink, Kelly seemingly doesn't know either, or at least doesn't help him, and I timed it. Corrido finally gets told what this move is and announces it 13 minutes later. And he just yells red ink, and it's amazing. Yes. It's like, yeah. It's like yeah. Oh, um, it's like you're at a pub for a quiz show, and it's yeah. yeah he's coming out, and you're like, I knew that. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> Sitting bolt upright at three in the morning. One of the bits I liked at this Akada comebacks uh, segment is when he does the kip up, he sells the midsection. Yes. It's just a nice mm. little touch. Mm. Um. Omega grabs the ropes to get out of this hold and they have a little exchange that ends with Okada hitting the air raid crash over the knee. Uh, he's slow going up to the top, though, uh, allowing Kenny to get the knees up on the elbow drop. Um, Okada rolls out to the floor after a pump handle backbreaker and takes a baseball slide to the back that sends him over the rail right in front of the Japanese commentators, where administrative and logistical chaos immediately breaks out. They scooch back so it's fast so and so funny. quick. I, on my notes watch, I didn't watch Okada. I watched them. It's commentators and tech dudes like trying to move themselves and the tables a good... Because like the Japanese commentary team is like six guys. That must be a nightmare to coordinate. But they, they try and move all these people like a good six feet back. Uh, Masachino's end of his table just admits defeat and collapses in the middle of all this. Um <laughs> In the ring, Kenny shoves red shoes away and switches up what was going to be a springboard plunger into a twisting moonsault over the railing and onto Okada. And I only noticed this time around, 
Matt Jackson also manages to slap him on the back in midair as he goes over. It's an enormous leap. It's crazy. He got good clearance. He didn't. Mm. No risk of marifuging himself. Well, at uh, first I thought Jackson making contact with him was him hitting his chin on the railing. Ah. Because the, the, the angle is quite, uh, the, uh, the camera angle is quite compressed. Mm. So all of these like three entities are in the sa- occupying the same space. But thankfully it was just a, a high five, well done, buddy, uh, in midair. Okada makes it back over the railing at the count of 14, where Omega hurriedly dumps the table on him and hits it with a running double stomp off the apron. Yeah. Watch where he lands, says Carino, right in the abdomen area. No, no, sir. On the replay, you can clearly see he lands right on his dick. It's brutal. <laughs> it is. That's an apology in the back. And yes. like maybe <laughs> a beer, I hope, at least. Yep. An Something like a, ba- a bag of ice. Yeah. Like, sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> when Red Shoes refuses to start the count, Omega quickly goes and fetches Okada, and having clearly listened to last week's episode seven years before it was recorded, hits a high-folding Kawada-style powerbomb for a near fall. He then hits a Liger bomb out of a Corellin lift, so a true deadlift gut wrench off the mat, which that's crazy given how big Okada is. Like Omega is the smaller of these two guys, but every time we talk about Kenny Omega on this show, a show of his incredible core strength always mm. comes up, and this is that here. Okada barely kicks out as the Bucks set up the table on the outside, so Omega can try and repeat the one-winged angel off the apron. And I love the ca- the camera mics catching Red Shoes yelling at the Bucks, don't use the table, I'll chuck you out right now. Red Shoes, this is one of those first matches I remember where Red Shoes really started selling me as a New Japan fan and main events on how much I can appreciate him leaning into the silly. Like mm. Marty Sam, like, God bless him, that man needed to be fired years ago. Like he, <laughs> In the United States, we call it the Keystone Cops. Like That dude could watch a murder happen right in front of him, and he's like, no, I'll stop it. <laughs> and at least Red Shoes had some like vim and vigor to him. <laughs> yeah, Marty at times is almost as bad as the Dragon Gate referees, where you can go, look, a distraction, um, and <laughs> it will turn away, or fail to turn away. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okada manages to roll out of immediate danger, uh, but Kenny's still pounding on his back. Uh, he manages to get his feet up on a couple of corner charges, but fittingly can't escape. You can't escape. Uh, he does escape a dragon suplex uh, and a German suplex attempt and is able to drop kick Kenny off the top to the floor. And Kenny doesn't just hit the floor. He rolls off the raised platform onto mm. the ground of the Tokyo Dome. Yes, the same thing that ended Rick Rude's career from a lower angle. Um We get teases of the heavy rain and the one-winged angel off the apron through the table. Uh, Kenny springboards into fireman's carry position, but escapes and deploys to shuffle hands again. He charges Okada, who backdrops him over the top and through the table. And I I haven't given that anything like enough. This isn't a Royal Rumble elimination flick over Mm. the shoulder. It's a full throw. Um, I was going to say it went about as well as could be expected because Kenny flies the perfect distance and like hits the table, like with the middle of his back. But, I noticed on the slow motion replay, his ass breaks one metal support and he slams the second one with the back of his neck whiplashing Ooh. his head. It's horrible. I mean, it probably is about as well as this could go, but gimmick the table. Like, you don't yeah. take out those metal supports. You don't need them. You kind of do because that table is nothing but corrugated cardboard. 
Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> uh, but the what I really like about this sequence is the fact that they do a good job of disarming you and thinking that the the table mm. bumps over. It's like okay, it's done. They've had the tease on the apron. It feels like more of a natural mm. uh, bit. And then they do that sudden one eighty and yeah. goes into that. It's like I think Omega did something similar in one of the other matches where it was like he turned around 180 and like power bombed Okada into a table or something like that. And mm. it, again, it's that sense of one of them, if not both of them have a good sense of, okay, we'll lead the crowd into this direction and then we'll just come back to it and just get mm. that shock reaction. And I remember thinking off the, on the night, like, like you're saying like oh they're not going this is a red herring they're not going back to this table or surely they're not going to do this when kenny runs at okada but no they just go ahead and do it that was if you do the time travel of us reviewing these matches congratulations we just figured out one of the ways he picked up vertigo yes gets whipped like that yeah Watching it again today, I was thinking it's like it's no wonder he ended up being completely rebuilt on the inside yeah yeah um, Red Shoes, great ref, briefly checks Kenny's not dead and then starts counting him out. <laughs> uh, thankfully for the match, uh, and, well, I don't know about for Kenny's health, uh, Okada goes to get him uh, and then almost kills him for a second time with a top rope John Woo dropkick while Kenny's on his knees. They do this in the, uh, in the no time limit match as well, don't they? I remember commenting on that then, um... Top rope elbow drop, Rainmaker pro pose, and grabs for the Rainmaker, but Kenny struggles and makes it to the ropes. Rainmaker pose took 33 minutes to appear as well. <laughs> they were really, uh, really waiting before they brought that one out. Mm. Uh, Kenny blocks the second one by getting a shoulder into Okada's gut and driving him back into the corner, but he can't lift him up on the top rope. Uh, a big slap turns Okada around, though, and knocks him limp enough to get him up there facing out instead. When he's denied a back superplex, Kenny defiantly climbs up and they do what I think is still one of the most dangerous things I've seen in about 40 yeah. years of watching wrestling. A dragon suplex off the top rope. Okada comes down vertically on the side of his head and honestly, as the one in control, Kenny isn't much better off. It's mm. gross. Okada is incredibly lucky. If you look he at does the angle, just he about managed to get his arms up to take some of it, but most of it is the side of his face. Omega's cover is just a hand on the chest, though, and Okada is able to kick out. I'm going to quickly cut back to before the Dragon Superplex. Okay. Because arguably, maybe my favorite bit of the match, and it might sound weird, is how Omega reacts to the Rainmaker attempts before that spot. Mm -hmm. Because later on in the series and a lot of other wrestlers, when they would be in this position, they would go for a fancy counter or a counter into one of their moves. Mm. Because Omega's beaten down, every time he does these counters before that Dragon Superplex spot, it's just about dodging. It's just about yes. blocking. It's just about getting to the ropes or stopping this move from happening. And that is incredible psychology that I didn't pick up on my first rewatch mm. of this. And it took my second notes watch. And it's kind of that level of psychology that I struggle to pick up with Kenny Omega matches. Mm. It's really well done. And a lot of wrestlers in that position, 
especially even after that big bump, they would just be tempted, okay, what's cool? They do yeah. what's cool. He doesn't. He does what makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Mark, if anything, I would say, if you look at Kenny here, I had my notes. This is essentially the playbook that we see when we, when Jay White emerges. Mm. Instead of it being the smooth counter, he just goes dead fish. Yeah. Mm. And you go for a rainmaker, he just collapses. Mm. You, you go for a, you know, uh, uh, insert finisher here, he, and he just, you know, you try to Irish whip him. He just falls onto his face like that mm. sort of it, it's it's so counter to what you naturally would want to do. Like you're saying, Mark, the cool thing, if you yeah. want to be cool, yeah. you you'd but when you look pathetic or in the case of Kenny in these matches, you look desperate to avoid it. It makes the Rainmaker seem like that much of a mythical finisher. And mm. the irony is, I think they lose that by the time they get to the two out of three falls Dominion match. And I get what they're doing with the story of that match, but they kind of lose that sense of danger. Mm. Uh, probably because in many ways this is the setup. This is the uh, this is the first of the trilogy. So uh, you can go buck wild with the pyro budget and the uh, big special effects in the finale. <laughs> yeah, it's also Kenny learning over a period of eighteen months more ways to counter this move. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And and then extrapolating from that into Okada's further opponents, including fa fancy reversals, Jay White. It's all of them, it, it's those opponents watching the previous match, watching these matches with Kenny, watching these matches with Tanahashi, watching these matches against Naito to see what works and what doesn't and what they can think of to try as well. And unfortunately, it does end up essentially in like country dancing spots, but yeah, whatever. Um, Omega hits uh, what I know as Mark Sloan's tomorrow driver, but with the legs crossed uh, and goes for the V-trigger. But Okada dodges and hits a German suplex that I think Kenny thought he was going to backflip out of because he jumps way too high and comes down on his head. I had flashbacks to Golden Lovers versus Takeshita and Endo from when Omega left because he mm. jumped as high, if not higher, for a Takeshita German. And it oh, was. God. And I just. That German suplex is stuck in my head and this one is almost exactly the same because it's just straight up and then suddenly oh i need to land on my yeah, shoulders yeah. yeah it was like he thought he was gonna gonna do a backflip but okada just doesn't let go of him um omega ducks the rainmaker hits the v trigger but gets floored with the drop kick uh he blocks the rainmaker again this time by kicking the arm has his first v trigger block but connects with the second and I like the look on his face after this. He notices Okada has been spun around and seizes his opportunity to spike him with a poison rana. Mm. We get the V-trigger right into the camera. Love that shot. Uh, and the crowd are going ballistic as Okada flips out of the one-winged angel to land on his feet, catches Kenny out of the air, and buries his head into the mat with the tombstone. Rainmaker, the dome are convinced it's all over. Mm. One, two, and Omega kicks out. I loved, in the background, Young Lion Hinari loses his mind. <laughs> yeah, this is the portion, if I remember with the live, I think they fixed it a little bit with, with this version now that's on New Japan World. But mm. with the low audio that Mark mentioned with Carino, you could hear the Japanese feed losing their mind while mm. the Americans are kind of like, Aah! 
<laughs> it's like, no, you guys aren't bringing the same level of energy because these guys, like, I just saw someone spontaneously combust over at the other <laughs> What's going on here? I, one of the things I do think about Carino's commentary, until you get into the last five minutes, he's quite understated. Like, mm. there's some big stuff going on. And, like, uh, we, we mentioned this before, uh, uh, last week or the week before, Mark. Like, he's not quite Kent Walton. Like, that's mm. a lovely leg lariat there. Like, but he's, like, he's not giving as much as I think yeah. the action in front of him deserves. And that's perhaps because he's saving himself and doesn't want to go too over the top early on. But when the crap fans are going crazy and when he can see the six guys over the Japanese commentators table going crazy, like that's the time to bring your level up. I think mm. what I really loved in that sequence is that flip out of the one winged angel mm. and the fact that they just had that wide-ish, bit uh single shot where you could it's just that see low wide it's the, it's the similar low wide angle to the one that's in the two out of the three falls match the one i praised there where it's just this single fixed very wide lens that shows the ring both wrestlers and the and the the ceiling of the dome but the other touch i love that led into the the rainmaker that got this massive kick out mm. is Omega went for the gun stump, which was Carl Anderson's move, and I think Tamatonga was using it. I completely missed that. But, but a yeah, so it was he went for the gun stunt, and that's what let Akada uh, set up for the tombstone that set up for the Rainmaker. And ah. it's the this callback that Omega's like, okay, I'll go the gun stunt for the Bullet Club links. Mm. But Akada's faced and uh, Carl Anderson so many times, he knows how to counter it. Mm. So he made the wrong choice. Mm. And it's only his fortitude and his determination that saved him. Break out a violin and a piano for the sad, arty French film close-up on a card of pondering his entire existence after <laughs> Kenny Omega has kicked out of his finisher. Oh yeah, yeah, that, uh, that sums it up. <laughs> like it almost did like the Charlie Brown sad walk music on it. <laughs> That's the shot I show whenever people are like, he needs to go to NXT to learn how to work. It's like, no, no, no he no, already he has the, all he has to do is add the, what have I become? Look <laughs> at your hands after I hit a finisher. <laughs> um, Kenny can't be picked up, but is still showing enough life when Red Shoes checks on him and then gets some punches into Okada's gut when he approaches, followed by fingers in the eye. So he's still a heel. Uh, Okada hates this and John woos him and Omega is only stopped from flying all the way to Yokohama by slamming into the turnbuckles. I noticed on this watch round, he hits them so hard that he folds up. His head and neck hit the bottom one, and then his feet fold over his head, and he kicks the top turnbuckle before hitting the mat. I've never seen anyone take this move like that. I, I mean, you knew he was going for that because he actually scooches forwards, and heaven forbid if he didn't scooch forward before doing that, he probably yeah. would have gone straight out of the ring. Yeah. Somehow... Omega kicks his way into reversing a tombstone into the Rokudanashi bastard driver, but Okada kicks out of the high, tight cover. Forearm exchange on their knees that continues with increased ferocity when they're back on their feet until Kenny ducks one and hits the Snapdragon suplex and kind of falls into a cover off a V-trigger, but only yeah. gets a two count. He hits another, but Okada grabs his wrist while up for the one-winged angel, drops off and pulls him directly into the Rainmaker. At the 45-minute call, Okada keeps hold of the wrist despite Kenny repeatedly kicking and kneeing him in the head and pulls him into another Rainmaker. They both try Rainmakers but miss. Kenny hits Okada's own dropkick and the move I have dubbed the Rain Trigger, the ripcord into the flying knee. Okada 
turns the one wing one winged angel into a spinning tombstone pile driver. Obviously, a big fan of Just Incredible. Yeah, and hits one more rainmaker for the pin. Um, we usually go through the post match. There's not an awful lot here. Uh, Kenny sadly rolls away while clutching various body parts, uh, and Okada is handed the belt. Uh, the file uh, we have cuts off before any kind of uh, post match shenanigans. Um, I'm going to go to our guest, uh, Rich. How, what do you think about this match? Like, this is joint ninth on our list out of the 1,077 matches or 67 matches that got nominated. Um, is this the one of their matches that deserves to be up this high? I think so. If, if you're going to go with the one, it, it's the originator or the last. Uh, the, it would have been the two out of three falls, I think. No time yes. limit. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that or this one. I thought this was magnificent. I remember almost falling off the treadmill with the V trigger <laughs> and, and just thinking, okay, this is it. And then seeing the V trigger where you see that is one of my favorite shots where you have the close up of the face of the person. And then yes, all of a yeah. sudden it just shakes as yes. they're getting their brain scrambled by Kenny's knee. I, I, th- I think this was when he is in the old wrestlers home and they're just playing films on the wall. This should be one of the wrestling matches that he is programmed to never forget, because I think this is probably as close as he can get to one of his magnum opi. And I, 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 I I love it. I think out of the, you said 1076, uh, 1067. Yeah. 167. Ah, dyslexia. Uh, it it, it was, (laughs) it's, it's magnificent. I, I think your voters did a great job of bringing out what was, you know, if, if he could tip his cap, and and not like fall over after this match. I'm sure he would have because this was this was as good as he could do it. it. It's also the joint highest rated match on Cage Match right now. Mm. It's nine point eight. Yes, nine point eight zero, which is quite ridiculous. Mark, how about you? I'm in the low man seat. Okay. Where do where to begin? Uh, <laughs> what does that noise mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, the buckley review <laughs> I, i've seen better show over we'll be back next week <laughs> it's okay this is it feels very much like one of those akada uh match of two halves and, and that's not to give it disrespect they do some very good stuff in the first half i really like omega having that sense of roughness but for me this was it was a very good match with some incredibly good ideas and a mm. very hot finishing sequence. I'm not going to uh, have a go at it for the bits that I felt was a bit scrappy and poorly executed because I've called some matches with lots of flaws must-see on this podcast. For me, execution doesn't have to be crisp. You can have messy matches that just still through it's just at its core it didn't grip me at its core i think it comes back to my wrestling hits best for me when i have this either emotional connection or just something clicks in my head and it's like okay i know what they're doing i know what they're getting at um the the thing we've discovered that clicks in your head is usually horrific violence (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, but this had a card of nearly dying on a dragon superplex, and that didn't do the job for me. Oh, fine, okay. <laughs> um, it's just, it's well executed. It's a 
great Akada style match. It's it's probably the tightest that these three have had, other than the uh, other than the match at the uh, G one. But mm-hmm. but the problem that's because is... I had to, to work within a tighter time constraint, yeah. isn't it? Like that but... that only has a thirty minute time limit. This obviously has a sixty. The draw has a sixty, and then the the two out three falls is no time limit. Maybe I'm missing things, but I just don't get how so many people love this as much as they love it. I'm not saying it's a bad match. I'm not saying it's not great, but Mm. it's just matching something. If I had to nominate an Akada match, if you asked me to nominate two Akada matches, I'm Mm. still not picking one from the Akada Omega series. I'm picking a Tanahashi match and I'm picking the Shibata match because they work for me and it's that mix of dynamics, mix of styles, mix of um, sure. mix of mindsets. You've got that slightly old school Tanahashi versus the Akada, the new big thing coming through. And you've mm. got Shibata as that last bastion of what New Japan was against what New Japan is. Mm. Um, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad match. It's not. It's just, it doesn't click for me. And I will probably never watch this match again. I'll probably never watch any of the Akada Omega matches again. They just, they just don't work for me. Oh, you've been saving this for a year, haven't you? Kieran, I think Mark may have convinced me of something. Because when I talked about my part, I said, when Kenny's in the old folks home, I didn't say Okada. I think this is Kenny, one of Kenny's best. But to Mark's point, it isn't one of Okada's best. So I can see, I can concede the point of this is up there in Kenny's like, I've done the most, I've created the most, but Okada has so many hits with so many people. Mm. He's like the musician. I'm trying to think of an equivalent of a music. He's like Prince. Yeah. Okada could play any instrument to a master level and God help you if you're one of his backup, you know. Yeah, musicians where he has to tell you, hey, your bass was a little off on, on that last set. Let's yeah. step it up. Whereas with yeah. Kenny, he is like a vocalist extraordinaire. He needs good music around him. Mm. But if you give him a chance to hit that solo, he's going to, you know, screech it out. And, and maybe Mark is going to plug his ears a little bit. But I, I think that's <laughs> the difference. I, I think that uh, Okada is just such a uh, maestro. That yeah. it's it's it, he he can't be limited by opponent. If anything, you can pick an era, and you're going to pick a good one, no matter which one you pick. At, at the moment, there is very similar discourse going on on wrestling Twitter between Kenny and Brian Danielson, mm-hmm. and oh. and the thought that the Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson AEW match is one of Kenny's best matches, but it's nowhere near one of Brian's best matches. And the, we seem to have a very similar sentiment here. I will ask you, Mark, if you do have to pick one of the Okada Omega matches, which one is it? Because you, I haven't watched the uh, G1 one, but you did when we did the um, the two out of three. Falls, I didn't wouldn't you? pick the G1 one. I no, would. I just wondered. I just wondered. It's a toss up between this and the uh, the two out of three Falls Dominion 2018 one. Okay. Um, if it's what one I would recommend. I would probably recommend the 2018 one because it has the mix of that incredible first fall, which I thought, mm. honestly, if that first fall was a match in itself, that's probably what I would pick as my favourite Akada okay. versus Omega match. Okay. Uh, and it's got that dual element of being a great match and an incredible achievement because I think you can have an incredible wrestling achievement 
without it being a top star match, if you get what I'm saying. It's yeah, th yeah. there's something almost undefinable about to me about a match that's just top tier. It's just I know it when I see it. Sure. And when it doesn't click, it doesn't click. Um but yeah, so I would probably recommend the two out of three falls. But if you ask me which one would I watch again, uh, this one because it's shorter. All right. <laughs> I think I'm ending up in the middle here. I think this match is extremely good. Um, it's funny you mentioned about messy execution. I thought their execution was great, like particularly during the opening wrestling exchanges. Um, I think their chemistry is great. Their timing is great. Their pacing of this is great. The dirty secret, though, is although this is their first ever singles match, they've been finding this chemistry in almost 40 tag matches dating back to 2015. Mm. Like they are, they are long-time opponents on the house show circuit, kind of without letting you know it. Um, as I said, I found my tweets for the day. At the time, I called this a lifetime performance from both men but that was with no knowledge of what was to come. And mm. I think the two out of three falls is the one for me, which I think I called that the Bollywood blockbuster of wrestling. Yeah. Like the, the, the big show, you know, it's, it's long, it's extravagant. It's got the action scenes. It's got the, the song and dance numbers. Um, yeah. I think that's the one for me. I did uh, less so on my notes watch, but are definitely on my, um, fan watch i definitely um found myself getting excited by like at least the last 10 minutes of this like they they had ideas for stuff and they were executing them so well particularly things like the uh as you said like that flip out of the one-winged angel and the 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 blocking the the other one-winged angel attempt where okada blocks the arm going over his head by grabbing the wrist and uses it to get oh, directly into the rainmaker that yeah that's one of the best ideas of the match. Yeah, clever ideas, well executed. Um, but I do think it's very interesting that this is the one that has finished the highest up. Maybe because, I don't know, but perhaps they do get more indulgent as they go on. But where do you take it after this? It, it'd be interesting to ask the people that nominated this that didn't nominate the other ones. Mm. And it'd be interesting to ask them why. I wonder how much of it is... That was the introduction to Kenny Omega uh, and Okada. That was like, it was the big main event of the the one they saw because I yeah. imagine a lot of people would have turned up for um, Omega versus Jericho. That was the year before. Oh God, I can't remember. We're in, we're into I, I'm into dome fatigue. I'm forgetting who who yeah. fights who which years. Um. I, I don't Any, remember. Anyway, but yes. we're still at a stage where, for many people, this show and this match is like the intro. Because even if they weren't yeah, yeah. watching, this is the one that got hype and everyone found a way to watch it. Yeah. If you were one of the people who nominated only this match and not the others, uh, get on our Twitter and our Discord and tell us why. How about that? Uh, this was six stars in The Observer. And as Mark mentioned, currently 9.80 on Cage Match. Uh, the 534 people who responded to the Dave Meltzer poll all gave this show a thumbs up. In the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, this was match of the year, beating the Dominion time limit draw into second place and the G1 match into fifth. Uh, 
Okada was Wrestler of the Year with Omega Second. Same for Most Outstanding. This was Show of the Year. Okada Omega is Feud of the Year. One Winged Angel is Move of the Year with Rainmaker Second. And New Japan was Promotion of the Year with Ghetto as Booker of the Year and Takaki Kidani as Promoter of the Year. You, you talk about this show being the show of the year. The, what's incredible is um, considering that Omega didn't win, uh, everyone else got their big moment because it was uh, Hiromu's first ever win of the junior title, mm-hmm. followed by Goto's first ever win of the never openweight title, followed by Naito's first ever win at the Tokyo Dome in a singles match oh, because okay. he lost the five before, mm. huh. including to Jeff Hardy of all people. <laughs> and, no. and if it helps, just so you don't scream out later on, Red Ink. Uh, the Wrestle Kingdom before uh, it was a junior heavyweight match which started the ascension of uh, Omega from that, those ranks where he took on oh, yeah. uh, Kushida and then the year after is the Alpha versus Omega match right there we go we got it all in the right order uh, Rich is there anything else you want to add about this match before we wrap it up and take it home no I, I think you guys did a great job I, I, I am very appreciative of being on here I love the way you approach these and, and how we get a chance to review and kind of talk through them uh, it's it's very fun here I mean Mark's now burned into my skull like yeah he you know it's like this is the greatest night of my life well for me it was Tuesday that's how I kind of see stuff <laughs> Mark Buckledy the M. Bison of podcasting uh in which case, uh, thank you very much for joining us again. It's been great to have you back on. The floor is yours to plug. Uh, whatever you need to plug, tell people where you can found on the internet if you want to be found, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. So uh, on Twitter, at Rich underscore fan, F-A-N-N, feel free to chat. Always happy to talk wrestling, American football, regular football, uh, up the arsenal, you know, all sorts of fun stuff. If you want to <laughs> listen to my podcasting stuff, please, uh, over at The Torch, I, I work with editor-publisher Wade Keller, and we do everything with Rich and Wade. Uh, that's usually a weekly show. Where we talk about the biggest events of the week. Uh, I do the deep dive with Rich Fan and Will Cooling, where Will and I will spend two hours asterisk talking about whatever subject he's come <laughs> up with for our uh, monthly sojourns. And uh, over on Post Wrestling, I am pleased to be the host of MCU Later with WH Park, where we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then wait for WH to make fun of Kenny. So he and Mark... <laughs> can uh, do a quick high five on that. Uh, wonderful. Uh, Mark, quickly tell everybody where you've been branching out this past week or so. Yeah, I j- recently joined Alan Forel on the uh, PW Torch uh, VIP on his Pro, uh, Pro Rest Paradise show, and we went through uh, the history of PAC, basically going through the career of PAC, uh, the strengths of PAC, discussing whether he's the best high flyer of the 2000s, uh, raving about his star-making quality that a lot of people just don't realise. I mean, the guy made Orange Cassidy. He made Michael Oku. He made Karanoir. Yes, remember him. He <laughs> he helped make Ricochet. Um, yeah. And yeah. it was a fascinating, great chat with Alan, which uh, is an Alan-length podcast. It sure is. I will say, though, I listened to it this week, and other than having to split it over two days, like it doesn't feel like almost three hours. That sounds like a weird backhanded compliment, but I mean it. Like you, 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 you keep up the energy for the for the full thing. It was a really, really fascinating chat. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you need a Torch VIP subscription to get hold of that one, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
As for this show, you can go to linktr.ee slash mustymatches for all the way to subscribe, links to the full list of nominations and a whole load more. We are at mustymatches on Twitter, Instagram, Threads and Blue Sky, and we have a Discord, bit.ly slash mustymatchesdiscord. I am at Kieran Edits on Twitter, and Mark is... At monkey underscore buckles. I also have another show, every month Nothing and Like It chronicles the UK's Frontier Wrestling Alliance's adventures on television, including eventually the stuff I made, and you can bet we're going to give that a good kick in. Uh, you can find everything to do with that at linktr.ee slash fwapod. Episode 5 has been slightly delayed thanks to uh, uh, events beyond our control, but that will be released as soon as we can do it. Next week... One last trip to the Impact Zone. TNA historian Garrett Kidney returns as we discuss that three-way. AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe from TNA Unbreakable on September the 11th, 2005. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.